Welcome to Spiritually Gifted with host Joe Dudfield. This show goes deep into the experiences and beliefs of those following an extraordinary life. Guests join us in conversation from around the world, sharing their stories, passions, gifts, abilities and wisdom. A window into the world of the spiritually gifted. Welcome, June. How are you today? I'm doing good. It's sunny in Oregon, and that's great. I I was really drawn to talking to you, and we've just talked briefly before we started the interview. There's so many synchronicities in your books um, and in interviews that I've heard and videos I've watched, and I just knew that I had to talk to you and share your story with my listeners because it really is... well you're infectious I find you infectious because you're so grounded and when you talk it is with real authority there's no if buts or maybes with you and I I really enjoy that kind of approach to spirituality where does that come from and where did your story with all of this begin I think it comes from being I was born you know with gifts and my mom kind of dumped me off on my grandmother. So she raised me for the first five years, which is the best thing that could have happened. And um, she was a medium herself and a psychic. And okay. she taught me what she knew, but she knew that it would go beyond what she was able mm-hmm. to teach me. And Michael's been with me the entire time since I was born. And he's with me in all my lifetimes. And I didn't. And that's know, Archangel Michael. Yeah, I yeah. didn't understand until later what 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 was so special about me, so to speak. I don't think I'm special, but and I grew up that way. I you know I've always talked with animals and the dead and archangels and stuff like that, and I've always been able to see demons and understand what they're saying and watch them i see them in their true form which people don't really want to see but Mm -hmm. when i was about five i asked michael i said why do they look like that and he says you're seeing them as we see them in their true form because at first they scared me as you you have to understand that this is their true form and you need not be afraid Mm -hmm. of them because you're stronger than they are and, you know, I never mm-hmm. thought anything about it. And so I've been helping people all my life with uh, problems, you know, psychic problems. But it wasn't until later that I understood. My grandmother told me there was a prophecy in the family line. We're Irish, Irish, Scottish. And she said, okay. there was been a prophecy clear from back from the 14th century that said a female would be born into the family. And she would have the ability to see, to hear, and to kill demons. And so when I was born, my grandmother looked at me and said, this is the one, you know, and then Michael told her she is, but you know, you can't say anything to her. It's not time yet. It's not her time. So in 1988, I died in a motorcycle accident. I was driving yeah, I, out I read this in your biography and yeah. I died and I was clinically dead for two minutes and when I was on the other side my grandparents were there waiting for me and Michael was there and he said he took my hand and took me over to what magically appeared a bay window and he said look down there so I looked and I saw the earth and I saw all these threads coming up from the earth mm-hmm. Some were lit up, some were dark. He said, do you see the ones that are lit up? And I said, yeah. He says, those are the ones that the people have made the soul connection. They understand. The dark ones are ones that haven't made that connection yet. And I said, well, that's cool. And I said, if heaven is real, I said, what about hell? And he took me over a few steps and he waved his arm and this pit opened up and it was black and there were arms and things reaching up for me and it was screaming was horrible. So he closed it and I said, okay, I get it. You know, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. (laughs) Don't need convincing. (laughs) I don't need any convincing of that one. And he says, you, you were brought here because you need to understand who and what you are. And I'm like, yeah, me. He says, no, you don't understand. He says, you're thinking like a human. And then he said, he touched my forehead and I saw all of my physical world lives and like a heartbeat back to the, back to the soul. He says, this is who you really are. He said, look at, he says, look at yourself. And I was like, I looked down and I'm like seven feet tall and I have a huge 12 foot wingspan and I have, you know, reddish dark hair. Like my grandmother would say dark auburn hair and I had uh, blue green eyes. And he says, you're Ariel, the archangel. And I'm like, I don't know who Ariel is, so okay. (laughs) Because at the time I had no clue. And he says, that's why you've always been able to see them, hear them, and understand what they're saying. He says, because of that, you're a demon slayer. He said, you were sent back to relive physical world lives until you learn to have compassion for mankind. I said, well, what did she do? And he says, so he showed me like a video of what happened. A woman in 1198 AD um, asked for help from a demon and God sent Ariel down and Ariel appeared before her and she was possessed. Ariel appeared before her and mm-hmm. says, you won't do anything, you know, cause you're not supposed to hurt humans. And Ariel, the things pissed her off so much that she reached in and ripped it out of the woman and the woman's body died. And, and God said, God called her before him. I said, you know, you've done it. You had no care about what happened to the person. You just did what you wanted to do. So you will go back and learn to live, you know, live real, real lives, physical world lives. And until you learn to have compassion and care for humans. And so uh, this is life number 131. So I must be pretty dang stubborn. <laughs> How did you, so did he show you those past lives during this near-death experience? It all yeah. came during that two minutes, yeah. which yeah. went on for quite a considerable yeah. all the deaths, time in spirit. All the, I was, I was uh, which is kind of funny is, I went to England in 2017 and I removed the demons from the cage and it resonated with me. Um, I have a friend in Florida. She said, listen, give me a call. I said, I can't, I'm in the UK. So, well, maybe you can help this woman. And I'm like, okay, fine. Just send me, you know, the information. So I went off to visit, you know, the tower of London <laughs> came back. And a bit got, busy there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I got a message from her. He said, I normally don't do this, but maybe you can help. I said, send me a picture of the place. And I said, where is it? You know, say St. Osis. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I know the place. And, yeah. Greenwich Village. I don't think that. <laughs> I didn't think Better I could, way. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, send me a picture. I said, I'll remove it while I'm on the treadmill. So she sent me the picture and I did the removal. And I called her and said, listen, it's done. So you don't have to worry about it. She said, that's good because I have an American psyche coming in, the famous one, Chris Fleming, and he doesn't deal with negative entities. I said, he can come in now. I said, they're all gone. I said, don't worry about it. And next day she called me back and said, you know what? He said, there's nothing left. I said, yeah, I know. I do good work. Come on. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, that's why I resonated with me because in one of my lifetimes, I was hung as a witch from that prison. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that particular prison! Yeah, so you were able to connect with it really strongly. Yeah, yeah. so when you come out of that near death experience and you had all this extra knowledge, presumably until that point, you'd lived a fairly normal life, even though you'd seen these things. And I mean, it's an extraordinary life probably compared to most people, but for you, it was a normal life. Yeah, it How was. How did that change life then after you'd had that? It was different. It's like, I was, I had just had my son. 
So I was like, you know, had my life was full. I was working full time. I had my son and I couldn't really deal with it right then and there. Mm. I thought, you know what? I, I can't deal with it right now. It's like, so I put it off and then Michael says, you really have to deal with this. And I'm like, okay. So then I understood what she was and she is, was, is, still is a member of the Legion of Light before the war between heaven and hell. God knew that something was going to happen that Lucifer, he wasn't, you know, he's, he's a troublemaker that he would, there would always be something. So he created the Legion of Light, which was comprised of Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Gabe and Ariel. And then there are, and they dealt mainly with demonic possession and, you know, demons in general. And they, they in turn created the warriors and they trained the warriors. So there are hundreds of thousands of warriors. And so it's just, I had to learn to deal with it, you know, because I had these abilities yeah. because I could see them and hear them and actually do something about it. And this is, this is what fascinates me because I'm a medium. I've seen spirit all my life and that's one thing to deal with, but actually starting to see demons and I've, I've seen them once or twice and probably not like you do. I wouldn't have thought, but I've seen them and I know how dark they are. And when people talk about they've dealt with demons, I it always makes me smile in the sense that I think you haven't, because if you'd really seen one, you wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. yeah. But there's one thing going for mediumship and you obviously had that lovely relationship with your grandmother that strengthened you and but you must have a massive faith in order to deal with this kind of thing what nourishes that faith how do you keep that faith strong um my grandmother was always a woman of god she always i mean but she was down to earth you know it's like you know she's the, basically the salt of the earth you know she said yeah. it like it was and is, you know this is how it is and you have to find your way you have mm -hmm. to understand so, but always remember that they'll all be with you you know the legion and god and jesus and he says she said they'll always be with you all you have to do is think about them and they'll be there and they've never they've never been away from me there i'm always my problem is i'm always connected 24 7. i mean you know, I've got one foot in this world and one foot in the other world. Yeah. And so it's, to me, they're real, you know, in the sense of like, I can reach out and touch them and everything yeah. else. Yeah. So and I, me, I totally I get that. I'm the same. Yeah. I, I, I totally get yeah. that. So, and you know, yeah, I don't fear the demons. You can't <laughs> because if you fear them, that's your weakness. You'll yeah. never be able to do anything with them. They'll get you. Mm -hmm. You know, and I told Michael when I, I said, okay, if I'm going to start removing demons, I said, I need to be able to deal with them. So what he did for me was he merged my soul consciousness with my physical consciousness. So I can hear what she hears. I can see what she sees. And I can look at a demon through an angel's eyes and see them in their true form. Um, they're actually quite lovely until you get to their face. They're all black. They're like seven feet tall. And they look, if you didn't see the face, they look like a dark uh, archangel. But once you get to the face, there's all the evil in the world in what, what they have of the face. <laughs> it's just like, it's like it all comes at you, pouring out at you. And it's like, you have to learn to say, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, not get involved. Not, yeah, you can't get involved because... If you do, you won't be able to do what you need to do. So what is it like balancing between the mundane world and the angelic world? Because you can't switch off. What's it? I mean, that must be quite tough at times to, to find a balance between the two. I've learned over the years to create, you know, a difference between the two. In, my, in, in the back of my mind, I hear and see everything from the other side. But... I'm a nurse, so yeah. I have to be, I have to be switched on, you know, for work and not 
you know, do my communication with them or anything like that. The only time that that bleeds in is when somebody dies and I have to help them cross. So that's about the only time, but most of the time I keep it separate. And that's something that you've learned to do because that yeah, can't have been easy at the beginning. No, my grandmother told me, you know, you've got to live in the physical world. You have to mm -hmm. separate it. You have to separate yourself from the other side and deal with the physical world because this is where you're existing right now. You, know, you have to do that. So why do you think we have demons? Why do we have that dark energy? Is it a case of everything where there's light, there's dark and that everything has to be balanced out? I mean, why are they here? Yeah, there is a synchronicity. You have to have, you can't have the good without the bad. I mean, yin and yang. It's just, just the way it is. They weren't always bad. People think, oh, you know, demons have always been demons, but they haven't. In the beginning, we were all together. We were all the light, in the light. But then when Lucifer decided that he wanted to overthrow God, basically, mm. uh, and he went up against him, that's when God said, when they, when they won, God said, listen, you, you don't want to take, the whole argument was over taking physical form. Mm. Those with Lucifer did not want to take a physical form. They did not want to be subject to pain, growing old, disease, any of that stuff. And God said, you don't have to, but it didn't matter to Lucifer. He decided, you know what, this is my perfect to go against you and to, you know, take up arms. And so mm. his followers, you know, started the battle and Michael disarmed Lucifer and Ariel disarmed his son. And God says, you know what? I'm going to give you exactly what you want. You'll never be able to have physical form again. He said, so he opened it's, I can see it in my head. He opened like a rift between, uh, between the physical world, the light world into a dark, uh, it was a dark world. And they all went in there and he sealed it up. And at first they were good with it. You know, it's like, whatever, you know, at least here we can mm. do what we want to do. Yeah. But over hundreds of thousands of years, they've grown bitter and vengeful. So the whole thing is getting back at the white light souls. So white light souls are in the body. They're going to make sure that, you know, if they can, that they can make your life as miserable as possible. Do as much damage as they want to. And they can. Mm. Where was the first time you helped somebody? How old were you? And what, and what was that? The first time you cleared an entity? I call them dark force entities. But, uh, um, where, do you, where, where did you start clearing demons from people? How did it come about? Oh, yeah. It was like, you know, I said, okay, to Michael, I said, okay, I have this gift and everything. And, you know, you didn't give me an instruction manual with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ariel knows what to do. Don't worry about it. Ariel knows what to do. And I tell him, I said, these guys can kill me, kill this physical body. He says, Ariel protects the body. I said, don't worry about it. And mm -hmm. I got your back. And I'm like, okay. So one day I get a call from my sister-in-law. And she says, there's something wrong with your brother. You know, his eyes are turning oh back. And he's not, he's not him, you know. Her aunt was Sybil Leak. She was a medium, a famous mm -hmm. medium in the 70s. And she had some abilities, this, my sister-in-law. And I said, okay, I'll come up. They live about 35 miles away. I'll come up and I'll wait. So I said, ring my phone when he gets there. <clears throat> so I went and got a drink, a soda. And then I, I waited for her to call. She called. I went outside the house where they live. I parked out there and Michael says, get out of the car. And I'm like, okay. So I get out of the car. And he says, I want you to call the demon to you. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> He's like, no. He says, remember, I have your back. Just do it. Mm. It's just that faith to trust them, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So, so I, I said, demon, you know, come forth. And I saw it come through the wall of the house out towards me. Wow. And it was calling me everything but a white woman. <laughs> wow. Because it can't see. It doesn't no. see Ariel. So he goes, it was, it was about five feet away and Ariel came forward and I could feel myself being pushed back and her coming forward. And she's like, stupid demon, you know, she went on. She said, don't you know that I'm here? 
basically you're screwed. So, so she grabbed it by the throat and put her sword through it. She, it, she has a white light sword, all the archangels do. Mm-hmm. And she sliced through it and it ceased to exist. And then she went back into the back and my, my consciousness came forward. And Michael said, see, I told you you could do it. I'm like, you used me as bait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what, kind of, <laughs> what kind of physical toll does that take? I mean, when that, uh, presumably the first time you did it was the toughest. I might it, be wrong uh, there. It was, it doesn't, depends. If it's an old demon, that's a little harder. But this was a lesser demon. Uh, I would equate it to a teenager on hormones. And it's not so bad. You actually feel energized afterwards. Because the angels moved through you and used you as a conduit. And she comes forward and your body's like the adrenaline's running, you know, 100 miles an hour. Mm. But if I deal with an old demon, it takes takes me about a day to get, you know, it makes me really tired. It takes about a day Mm. to recover. That's all. I'm amazed. Yeah. At one time I dealt with five at the same time. And so it took me a couple of days to to recover after that so what's the what's the payoff what do you receive for your service i know it's obviously you get that love and protection from your from our angels your angels the angels but what else i mean what what is it that motivates you to keep going because there's lots of things that are coming into my mind now being a medium i've come across people that are cynical people that don't believe people that question you and quite frankly I've been doing it for 30 years since I was a girl and so I'm over that I presume you had to get to that point where you just stopped caring what other people thought because you knew what was your truth the minute Ariel the minute Ariel Michael did the the merge and and Ariel and I could see and hear each other Mm. it was like that's like it is what it is I know what I'm capable of and I know what I can do if you don't believe in it, that's fine. Not my problem. Mm. But I'm the one you come to if you need help in that category. And this is, you know, you so float my boat because this is the thing that I find is that we tend to be um, the last person they come to. They've tried everything else. Yeah. And then because I work as a healer as well and it, they've tried everything else. And then they realize that there's some, they're still not getting rid of it. And then they come to you. So by that point, presumably, they're a bit more open to what you're helping them yeah, with anyway. I had, I, they're desperate. I had a group, a local group, who shall remain nameless. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a medium. And he's like, you know, he says, I want you to have lunch with me. So we had, had lunch. He says, there's this group and they're, you know, they're saying that you're arrogant and that you're you know, you're full of yourself. And I looked at him and I said, Seth, you know me better than that. He's like, yeah. I said, the thing is, if I can't do what I say I can do, then you can call me arrogant. But if I can do what I say I can do, you can just say, I'm confident in what I do. I said, I don't care what other people think. It doesn't make no difference to me. That's literally the truth. It doesn't make any difference. Because I'm doing this because God wants me to do it. You know, this is my, this is how, what I did in all my physical world lifetimes. Why should it change in this one? This, I'm all about getting rid of these, ending people's suffering. You know, I have a lot of people that say to me, well, you know, how much does it cost? I'm like, I don't charge for this. This is God's work. Mm-hmm. I said, if you want a payment for me would be for you to pass on the good deed, you know, pass it on to somebody who needs help. As far as I'm concerned, that's my payment. That's amazing. So how do you balance out? Because I'm, again, we keep going on. I mean, we've never met in person. I have to tell my listener that, but I just feel so connected. But it's it's this energy of, how can I put it? It's It's just this openness with it. And you're so grounded and you like to look at the science of things. You must do because you're a medical practitioner. Oh, yeah. And I find this as well. I like to reason. I like to explain everything. I have that bit going on as well. So how did you, how did you kind of reconcile the two? Well, I've learned a long time ago that you have to shut down the nurse part of you in order to deal with these. I mean, God gave me the gift of the laying on of hands. So 
I do healing. And uh, the problem with that is, you know, I can't use that. And mm. I can't use that in my nursing career because they don't understand. They don't. No. And it doesn't mean anything to them. So I have to separate myself that way. When a spirit will come in with a patient and say, you know, I need to get this message to the patient. Mm. And I'll say, well, you know, I said, I don't do that. I'm here. That's really yeah. tough. Yeah. And he's, I said, he says, listen, she believes, don't worry about it. Just tell, tell them who I am. Mm. So once in a while I'll do that. And then they're grateful for the communication and the connection. But I'm not one of these people that will walk up to somebody and say, hey, your Uncle Joe died and no. blah, blah, blah. You know, that, I don't do that. People no, I can't bear that. I mean, good on you if you want to do that, but it wouldn't be for me either. No, people, if there's an urgent message and I'm supposed to get the message to them, mm. I'll tell them, listen, you're gonna, I'm going to sound crazy, but this is a message. Goodbye. <laughs> have, you, have you ever come across something that you couldn't clear? I mean, have you, have you ever come across something, or something maybe you thought you couldn't clear? No. Ariel can do anything when it comes to negatives. So she's, she was like, if you were to describe her and what the Legion does, it would be like an elite sniper group. Mm. you know they they're the best of the best and they never fail yeah not, so you, you don't I, I never to go in with any doubt you can't have doubt because they'll find it and you're screwed you know you can't do that you have to go in saying i know what i know i know i can beat this thing i know what it is i know who it is i know its name i've dealt with it before not a big deal now, and that's what I was going to say. Do you come across the same demon more than once? Because you don't destroy them, do you necessarily? You send them back. Well, a lot of times, and earlier in my career as a demon slayer, um, I would send them back. I would create what, what Michael calls an infinity orb and trap them in that and send them back to the dark. But a couple of years ago, I went in on a case where you would have to say it's the perfect storm. There was uh, a family of children and they were being attacked and there was all kinds of things going on. And uh, what, when I got there, what I found was I found a portal, a dark portal in the middle of the child's bedroom. And there was an old demon that was sitting on the stairs of the deck laughing at me when I was outside because I saw underground i saw tunnels almost like they used in vietnam you know mm -hmm. they were they would like they call them you know tunnel rats they would go under there and they would do sneak attacks on people well that's the same thing that these guys were doing they're creating tunnels underneath the ground and coming up through them and i'm like really give me a break here <laughs> because they can't see her inside of me they demons are stupid they are like a lot of people. They judge you by your external appearance. They don't judge you by what. They don't look any deeper. Yeah. And so they don't even pay attention until she comes forward. Then it's a whole other situation. Mm. I've been doing it for several years before. Um, I have a friend that I created the group Ghosts and Girls Paranormal. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. It looks really fun. It looks really yeah. interesting. I had it. I had the logo drawn funny. You know, two girls, you know, one with the EVP machine and another one behind it. And then a ghost looking scared behind it because it's like, you have to have a sense of humor. What I do. Yeah, you do. You know? So true. So she's like, do you realize that you physically change when Ariel's there? And I'm like, I'm a little busy at the time. So no, I don't pay yeah, no. <laughs> It says your eyes turn white, your voice changes and your face no. is about 20 years younger. And she says, sometimes, depending upon the situation, wings start coming out of your shoulders. And this is one of your fellow mediums that you work with. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm too busy to pay attention. But, you know, people that's it, people that's doing it, they have a tendency to, you know, kind of stand back mm. because of what they see. 
they're not sure how to take it. Yeah. But, you know, as long as I get rid of the demons, they're okay. <laughs> so how do you support the people going through the entity attachment? How, how do you support them after? Do you, because you do healing as well. Do you, do some, do they sometimes need support after or do, you, times, do you help them? Yeah, a lot of times they do. Cause I, I created like uh, a document that gives, you know, what will happen afterwards you know, how to deal with it, you know, and if they need counseling, mm. you know, things like that. And most of the people end up with PTSD of one kind or another. Really? Because, you know, they've been dealing with it for a while. So I tell them, you know, you have to be watchful of this. Mm. I said, because once you're touched by the dark ones, I said, you have that dark, dark energy inside of you. That's why I do the clearing. That's why mm. I cleanse them. I said, because if I don't, you'll attract more and you don't want, you don't want that. So I, I think I've had one person that, and all the ones I've done that has had a a second attachment, everybody else has stayed clear. You know, there's no problem. And the the reason why it happened with that person is because he went into another place and thought he could do what I do. Oh dear. Yeah. And he ended up with a second attachment. I said, that's how you got the first one. I said, you cannot do what I do. I said, in your brain, you may think you can. I said, but you don't have what I have inside of me. I said, you're not able to do that. only Only those with, you know, divine intervention can do that. There is a disturbing increase, actually, when you watch some of the TV ghost hunting programs, and you've been on a few, haven't you? You've acted as a consultant and you've been on them, that I I found lately, because I do enjoy watching them. In fact, I suppose it's our business. I watch them for fun. Um, And I can often see the spirit people on the screen, and then they're totally oblivious, the people that are filming. But anyway, and and I do that and it makes me laugh, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a disturbing increase in people on these programs calling everything that happens demonic and it, oh. and I don't believe that to be true because I think they're actually few and far between more than we believe but not as many as they would have you believe oh. do you have an opinion on that yeah there's a lot of them think anything if they get scratched oh it's a demon mm. no, no no a human spirits can scratch you as well especially if you're not paying attention to them and yeah. they throw something at you or whatever you know that that's crazy. It's just a yeah. lot of sensation, sensationalization around it, isn't there? And, it... and I don't, you know, it's like not everything that goes bump in the night is a demon. You know, 99.9% of the time, it's not. But mm. in, two, I, in 2013, I noticed there was an increase in demonic activity. Yeah. And then in 2000, January 25th, 2018, Newsweek did an article from, about the Vatican how the Vatican was saying there has been an increase in demonic possession. I remember reading it. Yeah. And you know, the Vatican never says anything. They never even talk about that stuff. So for them to say something about it, Mm. it's like that it has to be, you know, that they had a training more and more exorcists. And I've, and I read this year, 2020, that it it's gone up fourfold the amount of um, people that are reporting possessions Excellent. And the amount of exorcists that they're training at the Vatican again this year. And it, yeah. it's, it, gone it's, up, it's gone up about great. tenfold since the coronavirus because all this negative energy, all the fear, mm. all the depression, all the anxiety, you know, it's like they're having a banquet, you know. Yeah. Because they're feeding off of it. That's what they feed them. I had 21 cases in two weeks. Oh, my. How on earth? So do you have, well, presumably you can't have anyone help you. Yeah. Because it's something that you're aligned to do and you've been chosen for. Yeah, I have to do it myself. But, you know, people have said, well, you know, I want you to train me to do what you do. I said, and I was going to ask you that. Do you train anyone? Do you teach this? I mean, I can't train you. I said, I can train you. I mentor people to, you know, light workers to mm-hmm. bring out their abilities and to help them focus their abilities and things like that. I said, but I can't train you to do what I do it's not like you can learn it I said it just comes natural and I said if you have any any bit of doubt in yourself 
mm-hmm. in what you're doing in God, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to set you up for failure that way. I wow. will not be responsible for you getting hurt. Like this guy that tried to do what I do. I said, you know, it's on your own head. I told you. Mm. Yeah. For what benefit? Just leave it, leave it to the people that can do it. So is there ever been a case that's changed you? One that you've come across that has actually moved you or changed you in some way as a person? Um, I would have to say, yeah, I would have to say not so much me as the people I work with. Mm-hmm. I had a possession case and the woman had 11 entities in there. Oh my gosh. And I had a friend that uh, was, was original. He was a star of the original group that I was with, paranormal group I was with. And mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a minister, ordained minister. And he had a fear of the dark rooms. And I, I was contacted by this woman I was on the show Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Okay. And they, he did a four hour special on me called Demon Fear. So this woman called me and said, you know, sent me an email and said, you know, I need help. So God says, you know, Aaron needs, Aaron needs to come with you. He needs to understand that you can't have fear and deal with the dark ones. Mm-hmm. So we need to help him with that. I'm like, okay. And then the girl that's the other member of my group, she wanted to go, so we we went. And I told him, I said, you know, what, no matter what you see in here, I said, <laughs> don't react to it. I said, just, you know, just let it go. So I knocked on the door, and the woman answered the door, and her eyes were black, and she growled at me and slammed the door. I'm like, <sighs> all right, okay, yay. Oh, so, we go. <laughs> so I knocked again. And this time she was in possession of herself, and she let me in, and and uh, so Ariel usually does is not out for any length of time because it doesn't take her but a minute or two. Yeah. But there were 11 entities. So it, I, she was out for three hours. Oh. And finally we got to the last one. And I said, you need to leave. You know, you need to get out. And he's not, it's like, no, I'm never going. I, said, I like it here. And I dug deeper into the demon's mind. And I'm like, oh. So you were sent to do a job for Lucifer and you just didn't bother. So Lucifer's looking for you. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, yes. I said, I can get in your mind. I said, don't talk to me about that. So I said, if you want to go home, I said, I can help you go home if you really and truly want to go home. And I said, I'll have Jesus come and take you. And he's like, maybe. So I, in my head, I said, Jesus, come forth. And my two friends are standing there, and they suddenly part ways as this huge arm comes out towards the demon. And no, and then it says, no, 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 you're lying to me. I'm not, I'm not going to go. So he's, he got himself even, you know, more entrenched in her. And I'm like, okay. You had your chance. <clears throat> and then Ariel says, and Ariel said, um, do not look at it. I summon Lucifer. So this dark entity comes down the hallway towards us. And if you were to see it as a real, as a regular person, you would see a guy, a guy from what, the double breasted suit, the 19, but 40s, 20s, something like that, where they wore the double breasted suit, the fedoras and stuff like that. That's how the appearance he gave them. <clears throat> but you could tell he was dark. And he came and I said, this is one you've been looking for. You know, he's, he's in here. And so Lucifer said to him, get out, come here. And it said, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. So Lucifer turned to look at me, Ariel, and said, I'll return for it tonight. And then he walked back down the hallway and disappeared. Oh my God. And so we all, you know, we talked to the woman for another hour and told her, you know, you need to get some, you need to get some counseling. You know, you have people yeah. get counseling right away. Do not wait. And so when we left, you know, the two of them, my two friends were like, 
uh, <laughs> my friend that was the minister says, you know, I've always believed in God and Jesus. I've always known they're there. See it? Mm. He says that's everything anybody would ever want to do. But then to see them, to see Lucifer there as well, he says, it blew my mind to see both of them there at the same time. Mm. You would never even think of something like that. Of course not. And I told them, I said, well, I, yeah, I always have a son to him. I said, well, I bet you didn't know you, you ran in such high circuits. <laughs> they all start laughing. But it's like, he said, no, really. He says, it, it's changed my outlook on things. Wow. I, I said, I'm glad. I said, you really can't fear the darkness and do what you do. I said, it's just, it's not a good thing because they'll mess with you badly. Mm. So even to this day, he's still, and that was like five years ago, he still can't believe it, you know. But it's like, it's, but we all went home and then about 3 a.m. that in the morning, the next morning, we all three of us in our beds heard, it's done. Wow. Oh my gosh. And I called her the next day and she said, I'm feeling I'm feeling really, really good. So I, I feel like there's nothing there anymore. Amazing. And then I reiterated, go get counseling. <laughs> your your book, Demons Here, that um, I know you wrote at the end of, finished at the end of last year, but it's not due out until sometimes late, later on this year. Is is that, what made you write it? What, what, what was the motivation for it? Um, there's actually going to be like three or four volumes. But the first one I wrote with um, basic information and to bring awareness about the negatives and what they do and how they move among us and what you can do to protect yourself, what works, what doesn't work. Um, the original book I wrote, you know, I gave information about how I do what I do. How, what so, I so like a practitioner's manual. Yeah, yeah, what I see, how I feel, you know, everything like that. And then I decided... I'm writing this book like it's for people who know what I'm talking about. Mm. But there are so many people out there who don't know anything about negative entities or never even give them a second chance thought until something happens to them. Mm. So I decided to change it up and create a book geared to people who have little to no knowledge of the paranormal and who have maybe had an experience and are trying to find answers for that experience. And I have contacted several people. Um, the uh, Michael, the Order of Michael, the uh, Archangel Exorcist out of LA, the Archbishop contacted me. And so he asked, you know, I told him I wanted to put him in the book so people could contact him. And then there's Keith, Keith Johnson and his brother. And, um, there's just several other people, uh, Father Bob Bailey, you know, a lot of different people I put, I contacted them. I said, yeah, no problem. You know, just here's my contact information. Just, you know, put it in your book so that people can get help, which is awesome. You know, they're deliverance ministers. There's all kinds of people out there. Do you think people having knowledge of them is safe? Because there's a, there's a, will be a line of argument that says, if I pretend it's not there and I, it's that thing of la, 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 la. If I don't look at you, you're not there. Um, do you think in this case, knowledge is power? Or do you think for some people it will, it will put them in more, more of that frequency of the, of the negatives? Um, the thing is, when I give, we have a ghost conference here on, uh, in Oregon. That's, it's a big one. It happens every year. And last year, this year, I was supposed to talk about you know, negative entities and in, in paranormal investigation. And of course it got canceled because of the stupid COVID thing. But yeah. um, I tell people the best advice I can give you is if you're on a case and you see an, what you what you think is a negative, dark mist, dark cloud, uh, entity, a shadow person, whatever, do not acknowledge them. You know, if you don't acknowledge them, they walk on by like they don't even see it. But the minute you say, hey, there's a, mm. <laughs> then yeah. it, it makes them look at you. It makes them actually see you. You don't want them to see you. You want them to ignore you. But it's like 
being in New York City, rush hour, on the sidewalk, and everybody's going in one direction, out from work. And then you have this idiot that's coming towards you against the string. Mm. That's the way it is. The demon sees the person coming against the string and not everybody else. Yeah, it's like, there are things you can do to protect yourself. Yeah, I was just about to ask you that. What kinds of things can we do just as normal people, not necessarily mediums as such? Because what I find is, something that I find a little bit frustrating, and around it was around 2013 for me that I started noticing attachments on people. And Archangel Michael, again, he's been with me since I was a child, same as for you. And so I've always felt safe, and I'm not scared of them. I, I, I... I have disdain for them. I'm not frightened of them, but I don't remove them myself. I let the angels remove them and I am not part of it. Yeah. But what I find is a lot of talk in spiritual circles where they say that if you believe in the light and if you just focus on the good, that they can't come near you. And I know that's not true. And I find it really, really frustrating. And something that I teach all of my students and my clients is about psychic protection and energy protection. So I was, it was really lovely to see that that was included in your book. So what are some of the things, I'd love to know your opinion on that. And what are some of the things we can do to keep ourselves safe and keep our energy whole? A lot of people think that if they just wear a plain cross or they wear a crystal or, you know, they ignore the, the demon that it'll go away or that, you know, they'll be protected yeah, I've, I've heard all kinds of things, you know, tar water, uh, brake dust, okay. yeah. <laughs> stupid things, mm-hmm. you know, and none of that works. I wish I could say, yeah, they all work, yeah, me too. but I'd be lying because they don't. The, and be, doing this for 40 years, I can tell you that the only things that work, you have to have absolute faith. That helps. Prayer helps, especially yeah. in the name of God or Jesus or whatever, de- whatever deity you believe in, whatever you have your strength in. That will help. I don't care whether it's Buddha. I don't care whether it's Shiva. I don't care who it is. You know, if you have that absolute faith in that individual mm-hmm. who help you, yeah. then, you know, that, that goes a long way. But physical things, crystals only amplify the energy. They don't do anything. They won't protect you. The best thing to do, the things to do are to have a image of Christ on, a, you know, the cross. If you're going to have a crucifix, Wear a crucifix with the image of Jesus on it. It cannot be an abstract image. It has to be like a physical likeness. That adds power to it. Mm. And if you have it blessed or have it, you know, or dip it in holy water and ask for God's blessing on it, that will protect you. Um, salt, a lot of people think that white salt is good, that that'll protect you, but it won't. It'll protect you from, you know, human spirits. But, you know, not from demonic, inhuman. What you need is, uh, when I started doing this for real, God gave me, um, God and Michael both gave me this recipe for black salt. I never even heard of black salt. And he says, you know, this is what you need to put in it. And at each step in the making of it, I will bless it. And I'm like, okay. So I've been using it. I make it myself and it's never failed yet. People have friends in England and I sent them uh, black salt and I told them, put it in a necklace. You can get those cremation necklaces and stuff where you keep ashes. And they do that, you know, I have people do that and it heats up when it's working. When there's something mm-hmm. negative there, it'll heat up. They can feel it. It almost yeah. burns their skin mm-hmm. because it, it heats up. And I'm like, well, that's because it's protecting you. I said, in order to protect you, it needs to work. So I those are the only things um, you can seal your house with holy water, uh, anointing oil, blessed anointing oil um, to protect it. But a surefire way to know if you have a demon inside your house is to sage. Because if you sage, all hell's going to break loose. That's why I tell people, don't do it. Don't sage. Whatever you do, don't sage. Again, we're so similar. Yeah, because, because again, people think sage, sage is the answer to everything. Get rid of them, and they know that you know that they're there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't do yeah. That. Just don't and do it's it. not the answer to everything at all. No, it's not. 
I mean, and I use I use black salt here, and I I have my own recipe that I is just for personal use. But I would really endorse the black salt; it's amazing. And I know you you offer that, don't you, on your website for people if they wanted to have some. Why do they want to influence the living? I know you covered that briefly, and you said that it's because of rage and spite, and but why particularly people? Why are they interested in us? Why do they want to get involved in that with us? Well, humans are. They consider us stupid. You know, the demons do. And we're easily led, we're easily influenced. And, you know, they look in they look inside people. If you stop and think about it, there are people in power that have attachment. You just read my mind, yeah. <laughs> and they look for people who are greedy, people who want power, people who want wealth, want position, you know, and they use that to get to you like you know all and they don't care what happens all they Mm -hmm. want is the power the influence the money whatever they don't care about what happens to people so those are the ones they really like to mess with because they are in a position of power to cause more damage than your just everyday person and i i have this theory as well that um you can almost see when the dark energy pulls away from someone in power. There are certain people where they'll be at the height of their power and you can almost feel that behind them, this kind of dark falls energy. But you can equally feel it when they step away. And I think that's happened with some of the leaders in the world right now. I think that the dark energy's had its fill for now and it's stepped back and you can almost see their impotence as, the, as that power and that force is drawn away. Another victim. You know, once they've done as much damage as they could using that person, they'll move on to someone else. A yeah. big thing is Michael showed me when he said, you know, this is why they do the things they do. And I'm like, okay. He said, during the reign of uh, Hitler, mm-hmm. he said, this is what happened. And I could see Ariel, Michael, and Gabe. And there's this room full of like Rommel, Gehring, Hitler, uh, all these all these leaders, which rarely ever, ever happened because Hitler liked to keep everybody separate. So it, there was one time when they all came together and I saw, you know, Michael behind Gehring and Ariel behind Hitler and then Gay behind Rommel. And they reached in and they pulled the demons out of them and got rid of them. Once they did that, that everything started to fall apart for Hitler. Yeah. He started to go down, kind of started to be downhill. He started to be defeated. You know, it all just, you can tell the exact moment when that happened. So interesting it's really interesting and, and, and relevant today. I mean, with some of the dictators and some of the, the leaders around the world, I, I also have this hunch that when people do random murders and then they kill themselves, I, it always strikes me that that is a demon doing that because they have to jump jump ship yep. before the body dies. It, it, that do you think that's? Am I right in that? I mean, is that something that happens? Uh, yeah, once they once they um, die, then or they kill themselves, or they or they get killed, then the demon will leave because the fun's over and it's time to move on and find another victim. It was with Manson. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think that none of the other inmates wanted to have anything to do with me mm. he had a demon with him an old yeah. demon with him yeah and when he, when he died it left do you see them in people's eyes because sometimes i'll look at someone's photograph and it just sends the chill of god through me and i i can see it in their eyes is there's this darkness there that i see and the when it's in possession you see it in their yeah. eyes me even if they're just around you know, attached to them or around that full possession, I can see them. I see, I see them standing separate, but they don't understand and they don't know that I see them. Yeah. They just see a human, a stupid human. Yeah. So they've not got the wherewithal to. Yeah. When she comes out, you're screwed. So, hey, don't tell me about it. What what is it that will draw them to a particular person? Because that's included in your new book as well. I mean, you've put so much information in there and I noticed that that's one of the things you've put as how the book can help you is that it it shows you what draws them to you or a place or a thing. That'll draw them to your 
you have weak faith, uh, mental illness, um, substance abuse, uh, being in a situation where you were either re uh, abused or raised in an abusive situation or you know, are living in an abusive situation or a child that's, you know, that's being abused, you know, that that's, it's all like, oh yeah, let's go see what we can do with that person. Sometimes it's just a matter of being in the wrong place at the right mm -hmm. time, you know, and mm -hmm. I've, I've had that, a lot of people, it's that way. They don't usually target you unless they have a motive. They have to have, you know, they have to have an idea like somebody that's a leader, somebody that's wealthy, somebody that's powerful. You know, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to use this guy to create more pain and suffering to the living. I can get thousands of people suffering instead of just one person. And do so you, they, they, you, they come and look for you. Do you think we'll ever conquer them? Do you think it will ever stop? Or do you think it's going to be the eternal battle between the light and the dark? I think it'll always be there. I think there'll always be light and dark. And, you know, it balances the universe, unfortunately. Mm. But a lot of people say, well, you know, we don't really need the dark. But it's like duality, like in people. There's good and there's bad in people. Mm. That's just the way it is. It, just... it makes up the individual. And Sweet. without it, you know, the balance is, is not kept. And things mm. start going wrong. But yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, like I said, sometimes it's just being in the wrong place at the right time. Or I've had one case where the woman was at a party and there was a person at the party who had the attachment and it decided to jump ship and attach itself to her mm -hmm. uh, for no, through no fault of her own. And then I've had the ones where they summon the demon. Yeah. And suddenly it's like, oh, well, I don't really want it attached to me anymore. Can you help me? I'm like, you're the one who summoned it. Deal with it, man. <laughs> you know? Will you help those people the same? Yeah. Do you still help them? Yeah, it's, it depends. If they truly, you know, if they truly don't want to have anything more to do with it. Because mm. okay. they've got to learn the lesson. Yeah, but if, if I believe that they will not change, they will do it again. Mm. Then, you know, I tell them, until you stop doing this, you'll never get rid of them. I said, you think you're in control? You're screwed. I said, they're in control. I said, you're just a passerby. Yeah. Your, your attitude's so grounded and so, just so practical. I, I wonder, I wonder where you're going to take this next. Because you already do work all around the world, presumably. And how many books have you, because I was trying to add up all the books you've written. And I wasn't sure on your Amazon page if I even had them all there because you've done children's books as well, haven't you? And the first book I ever wrote was in uh, was for a friend of mine for his English class, her her son's English class, and he needed something that was simple, something he could. So I wrote Petals Golden Wings in forty five minutes. You know, wow! And, and it's like. He got a good grade for it, you know. He got, a, he got an A plus for it. <laughs> I stood away from for a long time. And then Susie's Big Adventure. It's a, all about my first Springer Spaniel, you know. And it's her adventures with Pork Chop the Wiener Pig and Thomas the Rooster and and Oscar so the Cat. Cute. That's so cute. Because <laughs> animals are a big part of your life, aren't they? <laughs> I would rather deal with animals than people a lot of the time because they don't have the baggage we have. Oh, you we and me both. have baggage. Oh, we have baggage. That's why when I get, you know, spirits that'll come to me and I'm like, really? You know, come on. I had one, my sister-in-law, unfortunately, wanted to go on a Halloween thing. It was like a ghost, ghost tour. And we were supposed to, you know, just walk around the town because Oregon City is an old town. And we ended up uh, on a bus going to the cemetery. I don't do cemeteries neither. <laughs> because they come, they, they, they all gather, you know? And it's like, so we end up there and I'm like, oh crap. And she's like, what? And she's like, I said, there's a whole bunch of people here that want help. And he's, she's like, oh good, I wanna see. And I'm like, you can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one guy, everybody, I said, how many of you people 
want me to get messages to your loved ones, Nail Rock Abraham. I said, put your hands down. Unless you give me an address and phone number, it ain't happening. Of <laughs> <laughs> the crossover, I said, but that's it. There's one guy, he, he decided not to cross. He was like bloody and carrying a suitcase in a, in a, uh, a suit. And he, had, he was stuck in his death state. You know, it's like, I said, why aren't you crossed? Get out of your death state. Why aren't you crossed? I said, because I was on my way to see my lover and I'm married. Oh. And I'm like, well, you have to answer for that. I said, but when you're ready, I said, we can cross. I said, it's your, you know, you have to answer. What do, you put, what do you believe happens when they cross? Because I've got involved in spirit rescue myself where just helping spirits cross over as a group and on my own. Yeah. What do you believe happens when we pass? Because you've had your near death, haven't you? So yeah. It depends upon, you know, what the issue is. If you've killed somebody or something like that, then you go, Michael says, I call it limbo. Michael calls it something else. And he's like, you know, we, this is your first stop. You know, it's like the old game shows where you're in a room, you know, in a booth of silence. You can see everything that's going on. You can hear everything that's going on, but you know, nobody can see you or hear you. So they're kind of like in there and they go through count, basically counseling and they talk to them about what they did and why they did it and that sort of thing. And once they, they feel that they're okay, you know, then they go back into them. Mm-hmm. But that's the first stop if you're, but otherwise, if you don't have an issue, then you just go directly, you know, to the other side. Like I was with, when I was with Michael, my grandparents, they were there and I could feel God. And then I, I actually, I've actually seen him many times, but I could feel him. But one thing you feel when you're there is overwhelming love and caring, you know, and like, we're not going to judge you because you'll judge yourself much harsher. Mm -hmm. And isn't that the truth? Yeah. And so it's like, I, I think that most people, when they go, that that's where they go. They go into the light and they go to that first state where they're, you know, they're meeting their family and stuff like that. And we all have free will. We decide if we come back or not. It's not, God doesn't decide. We decide. Mm-hmm. The things that are set in stone are the time you go in, the time you're born, the time you die, the method in which you die, and what you want to achieve during that lifetime. Say you want to be born on the 4th of July, you want to die, die December 31st, have a heart attack, and you want to be a doctor. So all that is accomplished. But the thing that you don't know is the circumstances surrounding your death. Who is there? Who's not there? Mm. Where it happens? That sort of thing. Now that's mm. all. That's all. And the ride, and the ride to get there is, yeah. is our choice. That's where we have our free will to do the right or do the wrong. Yep. I think one of the most wonderful things about your story for me is being completely and utterly in love with angels myself and being somebody who has no doubt 100% that they're there is that reality that they are there and they're there for all of us and they are this untapped potential and this love that can support and help us all regardless of what else we have to deal with or fight that they are always there to help us. One of the things I learned when I died was that thought becomes reality. Mm. It, do, it does in the dark realm as well as the light realm. And it can work realm too. Really, it can. And so I try to train people right now. Light workers are becoming more and more prevalent. So I actually train people on how to create, how to see themselves, how to see their soul, and how to create a white light swords and instruments for protection wow. so and how to create infinity orbs and um, it's it's to, they have to protect themselves because they are light workers they have to have that protection so for me it's all about teaching them how to protect themselves not just yeah. users but how to protect themselves yeah very important so how can people find out a little bit more about you june where do they go um, they can go to my website. I, I have like two websites that link into each other, demonseer.com, and that links into mysticconnections.org. Yeah. And um, I have a website for Ghost and Girls Paranormal. I'm on um, 
I'm on YouTube. I have Ghosts and Girls Paranormal on YouTube. And then I have, uh, I have, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. I'll put links to all of that when we when we um, share the show. I'll put all the links there for my listeners so they can join in and come get to know you more. If they have an issue, there's a phone number on the Demon Seer site where you can have a phone that's dedicated to people that need help. Well, wow, that's amazing. And so they can leave a message on that phone. Yeah. And they usually get back to them within 24 to 48 hours. You're an incredible guest and I feel like I could talk to you for another three hours, to be honest. I just, yeah, I, I'm so grateful that you come on and I'm so grateful that you come on so early in the morning. And um, I, I'm really grateful. And I, I know that my listeners are going to be touched by your story and um, they've now got some places they can go to find out more. So for now, I just want to say a huge thank you and send you a massive dollop of love over there to America and look forward to talking to you again sometime. That would be amazing. We'll have to meet up when I'm there next year. Oh God, will you? Yes, yes. Come and see me. I would love that. Okay. Be there for a couple of weeks in June. So. That would be fantastic. All right, Jane. Thank you so much. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. <laughs> it's just You've been listening to Spiritually Gifted with host Joe Dutfield. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please keep in touch via our Facebook page, Spiritually Gifted Podcast, or by email to spirituallygiftedpodcast at yahoo.com. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, take care.